Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to Pisana Health and Wellness Podcast, Episode 13. Today we hear from Susan Eichhorst, Physician Assistant at Pisana Health and Wellness. Susan specializes in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. With her knowledge and expertise, today we are going to hear about understanding the health of your thyroid and why that's important. Listen in, you won't want to miss out. I am Susan Eichhorst. I'm a physician assistant here at Basana Health and Wellness. I work with Dr. Tanya Atagi, and I'm very thrilled to be part of this team. Um, really excited for people to come on board and start to learn a little bit more about your own thyroid gland because too many people, and I will say every single day I work, I hear somebody, a new patient or an established patient say, my doctor says everything's normal, um, so I guess that's all okay. And so I really want to take this time to help people understand what does your thyroid do, why is this gland so important, and let's see if we can sleuth out some of these symptoms that you've had and we can help them be, get resolved. So first thing I want to start with, though, is what are hormones? Um, hormones are a bit of a buzzword these days. Um, I practice bioidentical hormone therapy that... Uh, encompasses sex hormones of estradiol and testosterone, progesterone as well, um, but also a lot of thyroid. And what hormones really is are, are there are little chemicals that our bodies use to act as messengers to talk between different body parts, between tissues and organs to elicit some kind of a response. The hormones themselves are part of the endocrine system. That also incorporates your insulin, cortisol, um, but the, they are part of a communication system that also includes neurotransmitters, which help communicate our, which our nerves use to communicate, and cytokines, which are becoming a little more in the, um, the public awareness because many people have heard of the cytokine storm which is when our immune system kind of goes haywire from some kind of an elicited um, uh, invader, and in this case, COVID, and we go into a full attack. Um, we don't really want that, but we do want cytokines to be on board to, to help us with our immune system. Um, our hormones are secreted from our adrenal glands. That's where our sex hormones come from uh, and where our cortisol comes from. Um, as well as our pancreas that gives us our insulin, our kidneys help regulate our blood pressure, um, ovaries and testicles for um, those sex hormones. And what we're gonna concentrate on today is thyroid though. So hormones are really involved in every single body function. They're critical for our well-being. They are abundant in our youth because we're just growing and repairing. And then they start to dwindle as we keep getting older. The real take home here is that they're necessary for us to remain youthful. And that's what we really want. Uh, we all know we have an expiration date, but we'd like to make sure that we are healthy and youthful until that day happens. So today we're going to concentrate on the thyroid gland. The thyroid gland is a little butterfly-shaped gland, sits in the front of our neck. 
frequently not felt. You can't usually feel your own thyroid, um, but you can have some growths that develop it. Um, the thyroid gland is actually stimulated by a little gland that's inside our brain in our pituitary gland. Their pituitary gland sends out this TSH, and many people know about that hormone. The TSH's job is really to uh, stimulate the thyroid gland to kick out its primary hormones. As you see in this illustration, this T3 has got the bulk of this arrow. That is the major component that comes out of our thyroid, and that's actually the active energy hormone that our cells are looking for. Our thyroid also sends out a small amount of T4. T4 is actually a storage hormone. Our cells can't use it. It's not bioavailable. And it has a capability to then convert into active T3 to give us some more of this good hormone or under times of stress can convert to reverse T3. And you'll hear me talk about this a couple times while we go through this, um, just so that you can keep getting an idea of why these different hormones are so important. So here's how a hormone works. The hormone itself is the key. The, um, it fits perfectly into a cell receptor and the cell receptor is eliciting some kind of a response from the cell. So in this case, this would be your T3 is the red hormone that fits in the receptor and, and stimulates the cell to do something. As you can see in this illustration, thyroid hormones affect a lot of different body parts. So if you're not having success losing weight, it could be you don't have enough T3. You might have poor muscle tone or um, an irregular body temperature, frequently cold, and that can also be lack of T3. So our thyroid is really impactful on our energy source, our mental clarity and focus, how we regulate our temperature, um, our cardiovascular health because of metabolic health and reproduction as well. In fact, there's well over 200 different symptoms that can be directly associated with a suboptimal thyroid function. And the reason I put suboptimal in there is because you'll find out in a few minutes, we definitely have normal levels, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you feel well at those levels. So as you can see on the, this whole symptom list, you can have a couple of these, you can have all of them, but essentially they all lead down to a poor sense of well-being, frequently depression or anxiety, um, as this points out, hair thinning, uh, loss of energy or motivation, um, and something that bothers most of my patients is that they're tired, they're fatigued, and they just don't feel like their brain works well. So as this illustration shows, hypothyroidism can be everywhere and affect everything. But as I like to point out here, many people will get diagnosed or treated with hypothyroidism. But really, what about deficiency? So a hypothyroid state is based on a lab value. You have to have this TSH, this brain hormone level, on a high scale on your labs for most traditional doctors to take notice and say, hey, your symptoms look like they're very related to your thyroid, let's get you on some medication. Um, when you have a deficiency in your T3 for a couple of different reasons, and we'll go into that in a minute, your TSH is normal. And I'll point out here, normal TSH can be as low as 0.4, can be as high as 4.5. And to many traditional doctors, that's it. If you're within that range, there's no more discussion about your thyroid. But regrettably, you don't feel any different if you have a hypothyroid or you're deficient. 
you just feel lousy and you really want some answers. So really what we want to talk about here is hormone optimization. You know, most of us don't want to just be normal. We want to be optimized. We know when we optimize hormones, and this also includes testosterone for men and women, estradiol for women, progesterone for women. When we optimize these hormones, we see a decline in our, in our cognitive um, uh, memory loss. You, you see that you have um, a improvement in metabolic syndrome, which then usually avoids weight gain. And very importantly, mood disorders. Many mood disorders are really associated associated with poor thyroid optimization. So when we look at thyroid hormones, the most, um, most people are aware of their TSH. Their doctor will check their TSH. They use that as a marker to find out if the thyroid is working functionally. That is not technically a thyroid hormone. It's a brain hormone that stimulates the thyroid. The real hormones that come out of the thyroid gland and into the bloodstream T1. I'm still not sure exactly what T1's function is. There's a lot of uh, supposition that it's probably more related to how we convert T4 to T3. But T3 is absolutely our metabolically stable and active um, hormone. And we now understand a little bit more about T2, that it also is a metabolically active hormone. Uh, best of my knowledge, we're not measuring it outside of uh, research labs, but more than likely in the upcoming decade or two, we'll start to measure that as well and perhaps make some adjustments in um, deficiencies there. I point out again, because this just is so important, T4 is an inactive hormone. It has to convert to T3 to be utilized but it can convert to reverse T3, which is a fully inactive form of thyroid. Reverse T3 being an inactive form, the real bottom line with that hormone is it fits into that lock and key situation. So now you have a hormone that's blocking the receptor. It's gonna stimulate your body to do something positive. I like to use the analogy that it's like a baby outlet protector. If you put a baby outlet protector in the outlet, the outlet is still live, but you can't plug anything else into it. And T3, I beg your pardon, reverse T3 really makes a lot of sense. If you go back and you think of us as cave people, and we now really understand the world has changed. We are full of chemicals in our food and our environment but we have not changed at all. We have not evolved to um, counteract that. So our body still acts like we are under uh, uh, a caveman's kind of situation. If I'm under deep stress, that stress can be because now it's winter and there's so little food that reverse T3 slows the body down, puts it in kind of a state of uh, hibernation, if you will. So it makes sense. It just doesn't do very well in 2020 when we're all stressed anyway. So when, a, when, when someone goes to their doctor and they come in with a whole line of complaints, it's really easy. And now you can access so much information on the internet that you can see, or, or the doctor will say, okay, let's check your TSH. They might check a T4. Frequently, I see T4 checked if somebody's already on thyroid medicine, like levothyroxine, which is T4. So they might check that as well. But usually, we're just going to work off a of TSH. And as I mentioned earlier, if these are normal, you're in normal range, you're normal, let's go find something else to, to contribute to why you don't feel the way you do. I really want to press home this, this 
um, information about the TSH because it is continued to be the most monitored hormone for thyroid issues. But because it's a brain hormone and not a thyroid hormone, it's really incomplete. It does not give me this whole picture. So a normal TSH does not mean that your thyroid is functioning normally. In fact, I think a TSH is really only helpful if someone's not on any medication at all, because then you can find out, hey, you are hypo. Your TSH is high enough that it's screaming and sending out so much of this hormone to try to stimulate this gland to give the active hormone to the body. Then I can have a good understanding of that. Okay, you're hypothyroid. Conversely, if it's less than 0.4 and you're not on any medication, that gives the indication that that person has hyperthyroidism. That is an autoimmune condition treated very differently, but this is really the best place for TSH. There are multiple times when I'm treating somebody for thyroid, their TSH goes down to zero. To untrained doctors, they automatically assume that that means you're over-medicated or you are now hyperthyroid. That is really not the situation if my patient feels 100% perfect, they do not have a racing heart rate, they feel like themselves, they've just over, we've overridden the brain and given them the thyroid that they need. So the other piece of this is a total versus free amount of a hormone. So again, many doctors will check a total T4. Well, the downs or even a total T3, but when you check a total amount of any thyroid or any hormone, this total amount incorporates both the hormone that's bound to a protein, that's a vehicle to get it around the bloodstream, but it's not available. It's too big of a molecule. It can't fit in that receptor. So really we wanna know about the free amount. So if I only check the total, I don't have a, a, an equation in front of me, how much is free and how much is bound. So it's really the free component and specifically the free T3 that is really the most important information. That's what activates that cell. So really checking that total, not all that helpful for what we're looking for. So again, I know I, I'm pushing these, these points home, but again, so many people get so caught up with that my thyroid is normal that they're really missing that we're not looking at it completely. So your T3, active energy hormone, activates the cell. T4, storage hormone, must be converted. Unfortunately, converts during times of stress to downregulate the body. And this is really why I reiterated this. If I'm only giving a person Synthroid or Levothyroxine, that's a T4 only medicine. I am making an assumption that your body knows and has all the tools it has to convert that to T3. Interestingly, T4 does affect your TSH. So if I give you levothyroxine, your TSH comes down. So to many doctors, they feel like you're cured. You feel no better. And in fact, sometimes you could feel worse if that T4 is continuing to get converted to reverse T3. Now you're gaining weight, you're losing more hair, you feel worse, and you're being treated for your thyroid now. So really it's, again, looking at that T3 as this is the hero of this story. It is the most bioavailable active hormone. That's why our thyroid is designed to kick out so much of it. It works at the cellular level, most important and missing when we only give Synthroid. I always find this so curious that worldwide, Synthroid and levothyroxine are the most 
prevalently prescribed medications. The more I learn about thyroid, that just tells me there's more of us that are not adequately treated. We may have good levels looking at it at a lab perspective. We may even feel a little better because we didn't have much thyroid at all before. But for most of us, it's really incomplete. So we really want to look at, again, how do I optimize? The fact that a third of people with thyroid disease don't even know that's what they're dealing with. And even when they go to present it to their doctors, they're not getting treated appropriately. And women do have the lion's share of, of thyroid issues for some reason. Very interestingly, I have seen you know a, a handful of men in my practice that have come to me on levothyroxine and they actually have a good amount of T3. I'm always shocked when I see it. I'm not gonna change their medication. It is working for them. But in most cases, it's not. And regrettably for many women, we really do get hit hard with thyroid issues. We're a lot more sensitive to um, deficiencies. So when I talk about thyroid disorders, we've got a thyroid deficiency where you actually um, do have normal levels, but you're highly symptomatic. You can be hypothyroid, where it actually shows up on a lab test. You can have Graves' disease. That's where this hyperthyroid comes in. And these are autoimmune conditions, Graves and Hashimoto's. I'll talk a little bit more about those in detail later in this uh, talk, um, but that's a much bigger topic as well that could use its own, its own lecture. But Graves' disease is when your own immune system has been triggered to respond and attack our body. And specifically, it attacks the thyroid and doesn't turn the thyroid off. So that person is just kicking out a ton of thyroid hormone. Um, I actually have Graves' disease diagnosed about 15 years ago. Uh, I had lost about 10, 15 pounds within a three-month period of time. My heart rate was well over about 110. Um, I was still working 60, 70 hours a week as a busy surgical PA. So really just thought that was all my fault that I was all revved up. Um, but that was actually my immune system uh, playing havoc on me. That's not all that common. What we see fairly re regularly is Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is the autoimmune system uh, condition where it triggers um, immune response to our thyroid, actually kind of congests the thyroid gland and downregulates it. Uh, a lot of the thyroid gets stuck in little follicles, little pockets, and when it's all congested, it cannot release those hormones. And then some of those patients may get a big influx of thyroid all at once, and then the rest of the time they're feeling very down. Um, and then the last thing is you can have kind of a dominance of reverse T3. And so you're constantly just going through life as if you've got your parking brake on a little bit. Um, and that's where these different disorders can all be present. But unless you have hypothyroidism, you may not get treated appropriately. So when we talk about thyroid deficiency, that can happen in a couple of ways. You could actually have primary hypothyroidism. You don't make very much T3. So you don't have this hormone surging out of your gland. But you can also have some of that hormone, this T3, but your T4 doesn't convert at all. So now you're lacking that little um, extra that you get from having this storage hormone. And then thirdly, maybe your receptors don't work all that well, or you don't have a lot of receptors in every single cell. They may not be that functional. So in those cases, I may need to give more thyroid to compensate 
that when one of those receptors empties up, you've got enough thyroid to fill that up. We can't measure these very well. Maybe somebody is in a laboratory somewhere, but you really have to have an, a keen eye to listen to your patient and kind of recognize you don't feel well. You have all these symptoms that, come, that go along with thyroid. Let's see how you feel and, and kind of take it from there. So here's this important part about conversion of T4 to T3. It's inhibited by so many things. And many of us are feeling these right now. You know, we, it's very interesting to me how we've, as a society, are, we're really used to stress. We live with stress all the time. Now we compound it with COVID. We don't know when we're going back to a normalcy. Are we going on vacation? When do we see our families? What about my job? What's happening with um, schools? So this physiological and emotional stress is probably heavily weighing on us even more than we already had it. And we've adjusted around that already. Uh, if we have depression, if we are dieting regularly, insulin resistance, um, inflammation from an autoimmune condition or something in our lifestyle, um, chronic pain, fatigue, iron deficiencies, and even levothyroxine can inhibit your conversion of T4 to T3. And especially with levothyroxine, one of the problems is, and please don't misunderstand me, I'm not anti-synthroid or levothyroxine. I just think it's an incomplete treatment. And the more T4 you get somebody, they may easily be converting to reverse T3. And that may not show up on their labs unless their doctor's astute enough to really look for it. So the other piece of all this is then what's the TSH doing? So your TSH hormone, it will respond and go up if you're not putting out enough T3. That's usually the only way that your TSH is going to rise. So again, those folks will get recognized if they're being followed and they get that thyroid done. Astute practitioners may notice a trend over time, a TSH of 1.5, a TSH of 2, up to 3. To me, that says your brain keeps seeing you have less thyroid. But unless that hormone is not getting produced and released, your TSH is not gonna respond. So TSH is normal when your conversion from T4 to T3 decreases. TSH is normal if you have receptor site insensitivity. So your symptoms can really be present no matter what your TSH is. And that's why we really need to help educate my patients so that they know how to help manage their thyroid. Eventually our physicians and our practitioners will come around, but you know, there is something called confirmation bias that is very strong in medicine. That means I've learned something and I'm going to really find support to support that. And it's really hard for me to unlearn that and to learn new information. This is really a problem that we have in many aspects of medicine, but we particularly find it in a hormone um, uh, arena. So what kind of labs do we want? So as I said, I don't throw the TSH out. Even on my patients that I regularly um, see and I will continue to get their labs on an annual basis, I'm going to check their TSH because, one, people like to know what these things are. But really the main reason is sometimes that TSH is under normal. And I want to be able to prove to other practitioners that my patient is safe. I have full confidence in what I practice and what I have learned. So if the TSH comes back at zero, 
that patient goes to their primary care, their gynecologist, they get their labs done. They may be told you are over-medicated and we need to just decrease your, your thyroid. I want to be able to show my patient is very safe. Let's look at their free T3. Their free T3 is at 4.2 normal number. Their free T4 is at 1.0, normal number. Um, so that gives me a little more credence along with how my patient feels. They're not running a high heart rate. They don't feel anxious. They feel normal finally. That really gives more validation that really we need to look at other levels, not just the TSH. And then I do check a reverse T3. I don't check this on every patient every time. If someone's not converting regularly, that's probably not going to happen, um, but it does give me a good impression on if they're converting some of that T4 to the reverse T3. And unlike just using a, an absolute value, which can be helpful, I've been taught, and it makes more intellectual sense to me, to really look at a ratio. So what's your ratio of the good available T3 to your inactive T, reverse T3? I see that ratio well over 10. So I know that the abundance is in the river is in the, the free T3. Um, and that also helps guide me. How do I treat that patient? I may put them on more T3 to kind of flush that reverse out of the system and give them that adage of that extra T3. And then lastly, we do check uh, TPO and TG antibodies. These are the two antibodies that our bodies make to um, elicit that response from an autoimmune perspective. And we can monitor those and actually see them trend downwards with some dietary lifestyle um, uh, applications and even some medications like something called low-dose naltrexone. So when we look at optimal levels, Really, there's so much more research coming out right now, and I am so blessed that I have opportunities to learn from some really great experts out there that love doing all the literature search and really glean through and are able to find these, these references. Um, but we now see that really an ideal um, untreated TSH is less than two. And interestingly, easily, I want to say at least five years, it may even be closer to 10 years now, the Endocrine Society of America had put out a statement um, that it said, you know, we really think our TSH levels are probably too high for baseline. Uh, we should reduce those down to about 3.0. It still has never happened. The laboratories we use still have 4.5 as a high end of normal. Um, and that's the Endocrine Society. That's their own society and they don't even follow it. So it makes me a little cautious about um, how new information gets to the general public, public, much less our doctors and our practitioners. We also see that people actually feel their best when we're in the highest quintile. That's a small outcome of this whole range. So you may have a good T3 of 3.0, and that looks pretty good if the low end of normal is 2.3, but how come you don't get to live around four? You know, if it's a metabolic hormone, you should feel better when it's a little higher. So really we wanna push those levels for two factors. One, I wanna make sure it's high enough that you are getting all the good benefits from your thyroid. But two, I wanna make sure you feel good. That is really paramount to me. That's always gonna be my first question. Mrs. Smith, how are you feeling? Are you having any side effects? You know, are you still having some symptoms? Maybe we need to adjust your thyroid. But just accepting these normal levels is really disrespectful to our patients because it does not validate that they are really not feeling well at all. Um, as I mentioned, a suppressed or an under normal level of TSH 
and even a high free T3 level. So these numbers look really weird on paper, but we have enough evidence they are safe and equally important, they are effective. We now know a couple of things from psychiatry. A lot of psychiatrists will use high dose of thyroid for their very uh, seriously depressed patients. Um, and we just don't find studies that support the harm that most practitioners want to put together with Graves' disease. Graves' disease being an autoimmune condition, that's going on for years before somebody's diagnosed. You don't just wake up one day with a high heart rate. Frequently, you know, in my own case, it was probably, you know, eight or 12 weeks before I really recognized what was going on with me. If that goes unchecked, yes, though these patients are higher risk for cardiac issues, for bone loss, um, for anxiety. But when you are supplementing somebody with thyroid, we don't see those issues. That's that. This is very different to give it to somebody, talk about the side effects, be aware of those, and to monitor some of those other components like your pulse, like your heart, your um, blood pressure, um, and uh, anxiety levels. So, really, the take home here is everybody has their own sweet spot. We need to figure out where you feel best, and sometimes that does not look as good on paper as we might want. But I don't treat paper. I don't treat lab results, I treat people. So I really want folks to understand that difference. The other thing with thyroid that I think many practitioners understand this, but it really goes under recognized. You know, there's a lot of conditions that are affected by thyroid regulation. You know, women that can't get pregnant, um, even for men in sperm formation, but more so with ovulation and maintaining a pregnancy, huge correlation with uh, suboptimal thyroid function. As I mentioned, major depression, number of times those patients could actually have Hashimoto's, doesn't get to the root of the, the autoimmune condition, so they're treated with high doses and multiple um, forms of antidepressants, when really this could be a thyroid anxiety um, that goes along with thyroid dysfunction. And then again, the autoimmune conditions, um, both Hashimoto's or Graves can give you anxiety and um, like I mentioned, both um, or specifically Hashimoto is really highly associated with manic depression and major depression. And both of those things easily only show up in a psychiatric arena. And if that doctor is not astute enough to look for autoimmunity or thyroid, those things get missed. So just briefly, I want to talk about the two autoimmune conditions. Um, they come up enough. Like I said, I see much more Hashimoto's, but um, I have a couple of patients with Graves and myself. But Graves disease is where those antibodies are attacking the thyroid, increases the output of thyroid hormone. So you're on just hyper you know, link at this point, um, you see all these symptoms that we associate with over-medication, but these usually go unchecked. Racing heart rate, sweating, weight loss, hair loss, bone loss. Um, conventional treatment is still very well widely accepted and is what I had, although I would do things differently now. Um, the conventional treatment is you swallow a pill, it's full of iodine, it is radioactive, you swallow it in the presence of a nuclear medicine doctor, and then they send you home to isolate by yourself for three days, including your pets, not to be able to sit on your lap. You can't sleep with your spouse. Um, you 
we have to put bleach in your toilet to get rid of the radioactivity and it essentially kills your thyroid. We then go on lifelong thyroid replacement. Is that the worst thing? Hopefully not, but it is radiation, which is obviously not healthful um, long-term and can have some ramifications for other issues later on. But one of the really cool things that I love about autoimmunity and learning more about it is frequently these are situations that are treated with augmenting our diet, our lifestyle, and even maybe incorporating a medication to help balance our immune system called low-dose naltrexone. I won't go into great detail about LDN today, but um, I will go, I do that directly with patients, and I'm happy to have another webinar sometime to go into that. I, that would be really great. What I do see more of is Hashimoto's. Um, easily 95% of people with true hypothyroidism probably have Hashimoto's. And this is where our immune system attacks the thyroid. And as I said earlier, now you're down-regulating. So you're not producing that T3. Um, it's really ideal to hit the root cause for autoimmunity, um, the biggest stuff being gluten, dairy, soy, um, lifestyle being, and I've got another slide to kind of highlight these later, but drinking better water, eliminating a lot of the environmental toxins that we live around, and then this low-dose naltrexone, which is really a provocative and very novel medication to help balance the immune system, which I want to just point out is very different than things like Remicade and Scalara and Humira, which are great medications for some autoimmune conditions that are really in a big flare, but those are immune suppressants. And if my immune system is suppressed, it's not noticing that there's a virus out there or a bacteria that I need to address. So LDN really does not work in that capacity. It really works as a balancing to balance our T cells to make us less um, hypervigilant and attacking everything, including our own body. So how do we treat thyroid? So lots of different ways. Um, some people may be able to make enough dietary changes and lifestyle changes that they can actually reverse their Hashimoto's or at least put it in remission. And if their thyroid has not been too damaged, they may get some of their thyroid function back. Even for some of these folks, they still may need some supplementation. And personally, the more I learn about hormones, I would much rather be on hormone medicine if I can then eliminate my diabetic medication, my hypertension medication, my anxiety medication, or my antidepressants, because I know that that's really benefiting my whole body. But when we do need some supplementation, as I mentioned earlier, Synthroid or Levothyroxine, which is the generic, that's the most commonly prescribed, but it's probably incomplete for most people. It will give you only that T4 component so you really wanna make sure that that patient has enough T3 and they're not symptomatic. Tyrosint is another form of T4 only therapy. The nice thing about Tyrosint is it's very filler free. Uh, most medications have things to bind them, keep the pill together, um, maybe activate them a little bit easier or quicker in the system. Um, tyrosint is free of those, so it's a lot less allergen response, but again, it is only T4. So you do want to, in most cases, include something called Cytomel or Leothyronine. I use this quite a bit. This is a synthetic form of T3. And I want to interject here, when we talk about synthetic hormones, there's a lot of controversy out there, especially with the sex hormones. There's a bioidentical form and a synthetic form. Synthetic forms are actually chemicals made in a laboratory. 
Bioidenticals are also made in the laboratory, usually extracted from um, uh, something like a yam or soy, but they look exactly like our native hormones. That's why they're bioidentical or uh, human identical. Synthroid and cytomel are technically bioidentical hormones. They are made in a laboratory, they're made from chemicals, but they look identical to our thyroid. So that is an important point because we know that they work. It's just that too many of us are only taking T4. So really adding this leothyronine totally changes that picture, gives you the needed T3, and you have some of that T4 in storage to convert over. By and large, I probably use much more natural desiccated thyroid because you are getting a, um, a thyroid that's similar to our own natural thyroid. It is extracted from a porcine or a pig um, uh, thyroid. So I do wanna make sure that people are aware of that because of religious or personal preferences. Um, but what we like about natural desiccated thyroid is you get T1, T2, T3, T4. You actually get some calcitonin, which helps with calcium metabolism. Um, there's a couple different brands and um, there's some variations on them. Nature Throid is gluten-free and allergen-free as is their other product, WP Thyroid. Regrettably, right now it's on a recall because a few of their lots had less than um, branded amount of thyroid in them. And so they just pulled everything and that will probably be back after the first of the year. NP thyroid is also gluten-free, um, but some folks don't tolerate that as well as they may one of the others. And then Armour is also a natural desiccated thyroid. I don't hate this medication. I don't love that it will not guarantee it's gluten-free. Um, that's important to a lot of my Hashimoto's patients. Um, it does have more fillers in it. Um, they've had some weird price changes over the years that we can't really figure out. Um, and so it's like my least favorite, but I have enough people on it because they do well on it and that that's great. And then third, lastly, you can also compound it. You can go, we can go to a compounding pharmacy. They can take um, porcine uh, T4 and T3 and put it in a capsule. They can also take synthetic uh, levothyroxine and leothyronine and put that in a capsule. And then we can even fine tune some, some uh, doses even a little bit more. Side effects. So a lot of people really worry about thyroid. And and I've, I've really been stymied over the course of this part of my career. I've been doing hormone balancing for five years now. It really is my passion. And since it affects me personally, I think it's pretty cool as well that I've been able to learn so much. But it's amazing how many doctors are afraid of thyroid. But yet I have two or three people that I have met in their 50s. They're on Adderall for their ADHD and their thyroid's not regulated. So practitioners are okay putting them on a stimulant with no insight, but not regulating their thyroid. So I think it's very important that people understand what are the side effects? What if I take too much of this? What's going to happen? Fortunately, T3 has a very short half-life. So when, and that's why you have to take it every day. Um, when you take something with T3 in it, that T3 is gonna to start to get out of your system within about eight hours. So if you are feeling, I'm really sweaty, I'm really hot, my heart seems to be racing, you know, I feel some palpitations, I'm tremulous or I'm shaking. I always say, first check your caffeine intake because a lot of us with low thyroids take caffeine kind of medicinally, um, but don't take your next thyroid dose in the same dose. Either decrease it by half, 
I don't encourage you just to come off of it because that can be very startling as well. But um, do know that those symptoms are going to resolve and they're, they're really not long-term, but they are little warning signs that may be a little bit too much. That kind of wraps up some of the general information. I just want to have take a minute or two just to talk about a couple things that do come up with thyroid. So a thyroid, as I said, is a little sliver of tissue. It's actually, there's a little middle and then two pieces, but you can have little growths that that show up in a thyroid. And they're actually very common. Four to 7% of the general population will develop a thyroid nodule. Just a little raised area of tissue. Sometimes it's fluid filled, um, very rarely malignant, really common in Hashimoto's. Uh, more common to find on an ultrasound because some of them are so small that, and I feel thyroids every day, I don't frequently feel them. And there are ways to biopsy them if, if we need to, but they can easily be followed on, on ultrasound as well. Um, and then thyroid cancer. Thyroid cancer is worrisome because these rates are going up over time. My general thought on that is probably more environmental impact. Um, you know, I just thought this statistic was disturbing when I heard it, but there are only 30 chemicals that are banned in the United States. There are over 300 chemicals that are banned in the EU. So really we have a lot more option here to get contamination, to get overload. Um, the uh, EMFs from our phones and our, our microwaves and our, our Wi-Fi, all those things can affect it. So we do see an increase in thyroid cancer over the last 30 years. More prevalent in women, we just seem to be a little more hypersensitive to thyroid issues in general. Um, not always, but frequently we see more women in their 40s and 50s being diagnosed with thyroid cancer, men in their 60s and 70s. The take home here though is almost all thyroid cancers are very treatable and um, just need to be caught early. And, um, and like I said, very, very treatable. It's rare that somebody does have a, a poor outcome uh, with thyroid cancer. Symptoms um, are usually pretty insidious and slow to happen, so that's why it can be missed until it is a little bit further along, but again, still treatable. But if you do feel a, a, any kind of throat or neck pain that is persistent or actually a lump, that obviously needs to be evaluated. Difficulty swelling, because that thyroid could be pushing up against your trachea and your throat. Um, so you could also have some vocal changes or hoarseness. Um, and then a chronic cough, of course, we wanna have that evaluated as well. So last couple things I want to talk about is just in general diet and lifestyle certainly affects your thyroid. Um, very important to understand the role of gluten, which is found in wheat, barley, and, and rye. But gluten is a major driving force of um, autoimmunity because it disrupts the lining in our, in our intestines makes it permeable for some of our undigested food particles to slide through our intestines and get into our bloodstream. And that's where our immune system sits. And suddenly it's confronted with this gluten molecule that it would never have seen otherwise. And it sets up an attack. There, this can be important for Hashimoto's, for Graves' disease, for any of the other 150 different autoimmune conditions that we deal with. Um, these conditions are continuing to rise. And now I just read a really interesting article this week about the finding of autoantibodies and the worst outcomes with COVID. So we do know that there's a relationship that many of us have these little autoantibodies that may really come back and hit us hard if we get a virus similar to COVID. Um, so other things to avoid, 
I know it's disappointing, but dairy is really not a healthy human food. I know most of us do like our cheese and our ice cream, at least get rid of the milk, um, but it's not really a healthy food for us. We, it's highly inflammatory, may have a number of other hormones in it. Um, and really it's, it's interesting, um, about 85% of Hashimoto's patients that eliminate gluten and dairy, they say their, their symptoms resolve like 20 fold. It's just amazing just making some changes there. Soy is kind of plus minus. Um, you have to be careful with soy in our country because most of it's GMO, which means it's also heavily sprayed with Roundup. Um, most of our corn is GMO. Corn is also just sugar. And then refined sugar is really not all that healthy for us. Reducing those toxic exposures in our home and our personal items, our, our, the laundry detergent we use, um, showering without chlorine in our water, um, really finding uh, better products that have gotten rid of a lot of those um, toxins. That also then reduces how our, our immune system responds, but also is less toxic load on our thyroid long term. I always encourage people to get a good water filter like a Berkey filter or reverse osmosis because that will reduce your chlorine and take the fluoride out. And our, our thyroids need iodine for its health. Chlorine and fluoride completely uh, restrict our, our the, the little receptors where our iodine fits. They fit in with chlorine and fluoride. So get those out if you can. And then selenium can be really helpful for reducing thyroid antibodies. It's also a great antioxidant, so it's a really good time to be taking some selenium at this point too. So total takeaways here, normal isn't optimized. Please do not think you're going crazy just because your practitioner says everything's normal. You know, if you suspect it's your thyroid, it's probably your thyroid. Um, please be persistent, be proactive in your own health. We love seeing patients in thyroid realms because I know I can help you. And that's really exciting. It's, sometimes it's as easy as 30 to 60 milligrams of NP thyroid and that patient just feels totally different. And please respect that food is medicine and your hormones are your friends. So the last few things, what can you do? Please seek out a practitioner who's really going to listen to you and is up to date, really doesn't dismiss that, hey, this is normal. This is what I've learned. And, you know, go somewhere else to find out why you don't feel good. Keep learning about yourself. You do get to be informed. These are not secrets that are held by the medical community anymore. You really are entitled to take your own health into your own hands. Um, learn about your body and how you can heal it. You know, I always recommend people to ask for all their records. You know, you don't always have to get your doctor's notes. Sometimes those are a little bit mm, cursory um, and just to the point, but definitely get copies of your labs because we can see trends in labs over time. You can watch, hey, you didn't have any antibodies here, but maybe you do now. Um, and that really helps you be your own advocate. So hopefully that helped you understand your thyroid a little bit more and where you fit in with that. I do want to mention we have another webinar coming up on Thursday, December 17th. This will be with Dr. Ben Loki. He is a chiropractor that works here at Basana Health and Wellness. He'll be talking about improving your health through daily activities. Um, anything that we can do to continue to improve these little nuances in our diet and lifestyle have huge impact for us. So don't ever think you're not, I mean, you might not be doing enough, but don't ever think the things that you're doing are not mattering because they matter immensely. Every time you make a better choice, 
your body will respond. And so Ben will go into really nice detail about that, I'm sure, on, the, on December 17th. I'm always happy to answer other questions, either through my email, or I'd love to see people in the office if you'd like to sit down face-to-face, -face, go over your own labs, your own history, your story, and find out how we can help you out. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis skin tightening, Kybella, skin aesthetics, all therapy, Vanquish fat reduction, PRP hair restoration, PRP breast lift, and hormone health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.